Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Cathedral of Sport podcast, hosted by myself, Ash. Again, Noel Bulb tonight. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's up to, but you know what he's like, folks. I don't know. He'll be back at Christmas for the Christmas special, so it'll be good to see him then. Um, what have I got in store for you tonight? I mean, I had Ricky Otto on last week, but something a bit different for you this time. I've got, uh, got Mark Greenwood joining me tonight. Mark uh, is part of the Who's Round Is It podcast, very, very popular, doing really well for itself, and it's really great to see. Also going to talk about uh, Mark's support for Burnley as well, lifelong Burnley fan, grew up in the town, and he's also an academy coach at Bolton Wanderers, I believe, for the under eight, under eight and under nine age group. So, Mark, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? Good evening, mate. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, done a lot of walking today. That's about oh, it, yeah. really. Yeah, <laughs> nothing else you can do, is there? Shopping, walking, doing bits of bobs. So, yeah, other than but, that, yeah, go on, mate. Love that. Uh, I was just going to say, do you need another, like, tour horse? Because it sounds like this guy's letting you down. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> he's uh, No, he's really busy. He's got his own podcast as well now, oh, Fred. City. So, and he just comes on when there's, like, like a big football guest and, and stuff like that or... Or a big guest, or he's he's going to be in the football shows as well. We haven't done a football show for a while, so that's why he's not been on um, as well. But we're doing our our Christmas session on the twenty first of December, so he'll, he'll he'll be back then. And I think he might be back. For, I think he's back for Calvin's Land interview as well. So nice. he'll be he'll be a couple of times before Christmas. But no, he is he is very uh, reliable. He's never bailed on me. It's just uh, it's just I like to say that he's not about a lot. Oh no! So, just, just try giving him some grief. That's all. Nah. <laughs> he's all right. He's Bob. He's all right. Right. Let's let's crack on with it, Mark. I mean, that being a Burnley fan, you, you grew up in Burnley. Um, not many people that support Burnley grew up outside of Burnley. It's a very, um, I say it's a one-town team support-wise. You've got a few Liverpool fans and Man United fans dotted about in Burnley, but it's very much. Very much Burnley is Burnley, so to speak. It's it's got the that's highest rate of support per head of population in the UK as, as well as Middlesbrough. So, you know, the whole town gets behind the scene. What are your early memories of following Burnley, Mark? Do you remember your first game? Yeah, so I remember my first game was actually against Liverpool, um, and we won. I think it was a uh, Triore scored non goal. I think we won one nil. Uh, so obviously, and obviously we were just in the Championship then, so nothing. We, it was always just like a small team for us, in a sense. But then, obviously, recently growing up, um, it's been just an absolute whirlwind, really. Um, obviously, as soon as Dice has come in, it's been just a different ball game completely. I mean, I know we all get a lot of stick for the long ball stuff and everyone sitting in and everything like that. But, I mean, you, when you're a Burnley fan and you're seeing us play against Man City's and Chelsea's and Liverpool's every other week, you, I just don't think you can complain at all. No, not at all. It's all part of the it's all part of the roller coaster. I mean, I mean, obviously, I've I've uh, how I got to know you. I I passed through Burnley um, quite a few years ago now, um, working there and and living there for a bit as well. Sort of went to went to games as well, you know, um, as you do when you when you live in a in a in a new place, so to speak, and you know, you just sort of latch onto the local team and just like to sort of go to games just to. You know, give yourself something to do um, yeah. in, a, in a town you're, town you're completely alien to. You know, it's it sort of 
you know, you make friends that way in, in, in these sort of places. It's the best way for, for me to make friends anyways, is to go to football. And, and, and So, um, but I spoke to a lot of Burnley fans when I was there, obviously. Um, I met a lot of the older generation and they, they used to tell me of the fourth division and regular, you know, scraping by to get out, to not get relegated to the what is now the National League or the old conference and the last day against Leighton Orient and all this stuff. And you think of that then, I think that's 1987. And oh, think- yeah, that's uh, that's way before my time, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, so yeah. I've, I've been lucky in that sense. I mean, obviously, my when we started doing well and uh, getting into the Premier League and being promoted like two years, like going down and back up again, um, I was actually ball boying at the time, which was always hard because obviously you've got your mates going on the games. And then I always had to ball boy through um, a college course. And especially at the age of like 17, 16, 17, it was always tough. Because obviously you can see all your mates enjoying all the atmosphere, soaking it all up, and then I'm stood in the way end getting spat at and coins thrown at me for time wasting. <laughs> Jesus, was it that bad? Oh yeah, uh, the worst one was against Man City. Um, I don't know if you remember it. George Boyd scored an absolute screamer from a free kick, um, and then I think the ball went into the away end, and obviously I got it and I dropped it behind Tom Eaton's net, so he had to walk all the way around pick it up before I could take a goal kick. Oh, you've never seen abuse like it. <laughs> I, did, I didn't even know that. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't remember that game at all. I don't, I don't remember that, but um, it's never good. <laughs> that sort of thing, especially happening to a ball boy. Jesus Christ. Bit out of order that. Um, yeah, but, yeah, that's but look, for you. yeah, that's it. I mean, but you've had, you, you, you've seen the good times at, at Burnley, which is, it's a club day. It's one of the, it's one of the founding members of the football league. It's, 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 a, it's a massive club, deserves to be, deserve to be playing at the top level um i don't i don't care if people find the brand of football boring or or whatever burnley have got there through hard work they're also not overspenders as well it's it's all done as a lot of team they use a lot of british talent as you know they give a chance to british players as well to um and give them a platform instead of just like a quick fix with a 20 million sign in from spain or italy or something like that you know just to sort of buy their way um in the Premier League, uh, up the, by the way, up the league, I, I should say, uh, it's all, it's all been done through hard graft, uh, building foundations from the bottom. Uh, so it, it's Gorethorpe, the training ground, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think as, as soon as players sign, you already know whether they're, they're going to be cut or not. I mean, because the way Dice runs it, um, you hear the interviews, and I mean, he goes to players. I remember that. I don't know if you've heard the Joey Barton story. I mean. Um, I think he invited Joey Barton over to his house for an omelette before he signed and really talked him through about what he was trying to do for the club and how he was trying to get people to sign and what they've got to do. And everyone that comes um, and signs, I mean, I remember, like, like I said, when George Boyd first came, he said he did pre-season and he just knew straight away that every single person's working for each other. There's no there's no singles in that team who were just working for himself. And if, and if there is that, I mean, you can see the ones that, that happens to and they just end up leaving or they get sold on or I mean so especially, that's what I think everyone loves about Burnley when you support them you, uh, you you see that how much the lads want to do it for each other as well Yeah 100% it's been built uh, since Dyche come in when Eddie Howe left it's, it's, it's built uh, it's, it's been a miracle really what he's done with the club he really has he's, it's, it's built as you said he's built a team that just works hard for each other and you've always you always stand off a chance well, no matter what what players you got on your team, I mean, look at the scalps Burnley have, have taken with a team that have what put together for for how much? Not even not even half of 
even a quarter, I'd say, of what Man United have put together for or Man City have put together for. So, look, I mean, been... I mean, you're looking at a starting lineup of probably less than 80 million, realistically. It, like, pro- that's probably what I'd say. Everything, if even less. I mean, a lot of them are either. I mean, Dwight McNeil came through the academy. I think Chris Wood is our most expensive player, if if I'm remembering cor- correctly. I think he was about 18 million. So, I mean, for your most expensive signing to not even be touching 20 million, it's crazy, especially in this day and age as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and a, a team put together for 80 million in the Premier League these days is, is crazy to think, isn't it? It's peanuts. Yeah. It's peanuts. Well, I, I think that's the hardest thing at the minute because obviously last season, and when obviously when we was like doing really, really well all the season before and just, just beating so many teams and picking up so many points just from defending so well. Um, and obviously, nearly when we went to the Europa League, obviously we struggled afterwards, but that season was just crazy. I mean, we all absolutely buzzed off it. Um, just seeing the fans, the players, just everyone connected to the club was just so happy. Um, and then obviously struggled after Europe. And then this season, we've just been hit with so many injuries. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to say, obviously, where we're going to be at the end of the season, but I think it's it's always a saying in Dash we trust. Do you know what I mean? And hopefully we can clock on after that, really. Yeah, definitely. Um, if he's a man to pull, you know, if it's, if there's one guy to pull Burnley out of this, it's it's him. That touching back on that European adventure now, Joe, I completely forgot about. It. I'm glad you brought it up. Now, but did you go to any of those games? There's Olympiacos. There was Istanbul. There was there was Aberdeen yeah, in, in the in the I, I, um, playoff rounds. Yeah, I went to I went to a lot. Of, I went to all the home ones, um, but I never got to go away. I mean, I really wanted to go to the Aberdeen games and stuff. But then, as soon as we ended up going away, I think we had one game. Oh, I can't, I can't think who it was. I think it might have been Galatasaray. I think, um, but then we just really struggled. We did, never made any signings really, um, and we just went and drew places, and then just missed some really big chances at home to go through. Um, and then we didn't have the squad depth to go from Europa League to Premier League because we had such a big pre-season, obviously playing the qualifying games for Europa League, um, as well as then trying to start up. Because we'd already played about eight games, I think, before the Premier League actually started. So, obviously, the season after, we got hit with injuries. We'd already played eight games. We had really unfit players. And I think that really affected us that season. Definitely. Um it's all part of the roller coaster, though, isn't it? Supporting a club like Burnley, I mean, you could have, you could be a Man City fan and have thirty players out with the the first team eleven that could step in at any moment and still fill the spaces uh, relatively well. But with Burnley, you just you can't afford that luxury. That's a roller coaster supporting a club like Burnley. And, and to, to be honest, uh, <laughs> the majority of football fans strangely prefer that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know, yeah. It's, <laughs> You take with the definitely certainly take the rough with the smooth supporting a club like Burnley, but it's been it's been smooth since what 20, 2013, 2014. It's been it's been pretty smooth stuff. So look, I I I can't predict what's going to happen this season with Burnley. It, they they weren't one of my picks to go down. Fulham, Villa, and I think who was some other pick to go down. West Brom, Fulham, Villa. No, no, I, I predicted West Brom on my dark horse, actually. Um, really? Yeah. Well, it was Villa. So, do you know what? I think it was... Was it Southampton? I don't know. Brighton, anyway, but... Maybe. 
Yeah. No, 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 no. No, I'm trying to, I'm really trying to think now. I said it in, I, I, was, on, I was on another podcast with, uh, I was on the Potscast and uh, I said it then, my free, my free prediction. I said, oh, I can't remember now. Uh, but West Brom were my surprise package anyway, but that's obviously gone a bit tits up. But yeah, I, I, Burnley definitely wasn't one of my teams that I predicted. I thought mid-table sort of maybe challenging for Europe again. Um, but the Premier League just evolves ridiculously quickly. Like I've even, I, I even said on the, on that show that I went on, I said even Liverpool might not win the league again this season because they haven't actually strengthened. But look, <laughs> you know that, that that league evolves so fast. You've got to keep strengthening, strengthening, strengthening like every single transfer window. Otherwise, yeah. you're gonna look at. I mean, look at Sheffield United. Um, they they haven't strengthened at all. I think the manager there has just relied on it. Thought, all right, team done well last season. Lost their goalie as well to Man United. And thought to myself, oh, you know, you know, I, I'll get through it with the, with this bunch as well. It's not happening. It's the, because because the evolution of the Premier League is just ridiculous. So maybe Dyche might struggle if it doesn't sign big in January. I don't know. Tell our listeners, Mark, what, what would you like to see coming in January? What would you? Who would you like to see coming in January? And what what positions needs desperately filling? I think it's a really tough thing at the moment, especially at Burnley, because we've got the whole debate going on about Tarkovsky, whether he's going to stay or whether he's going to go. Um, so if he goes, it's who fills that centre-back position. I mean, we've got no depth really in midfield. Um, I mean, we've just signed Brownhill, who everyone's really liking at the minute. Um, he's a young, fresh lad, um, still a little bit raw yet, but shows shows bits of talent here and there, scored a couple of good goals so far. Um, but then you look at the rest of our team um, and full-backs. I mean, Charlie Taylor's really good. I think he's one of the most underrated left-backs in the Premier League, um, especially defensive-wise and going forward. But then replacements, you've got Peters, who's 30-odd. I mean, we've got two really old right-backs with Lawton. He's knocking on about 28, 29. And then we've got um, Bardsley, who's obviously a bit... I mean... It's hard not to love them at the same time. I mean, you, especially as Burnley fans, you watch them week in, week out, and you see how hard they work. And I, I, you honestly can't really say a bad word about them sometimes, um, especially at their age and the way they're playing and how much they show. But then you, you, you're screaming out for new, young, exciting players as well, because that's what fans want to see. They want to see new players coming through. They want to see big signings and big money being spent. But you just don't know whether that's realistic and... I mean, at the minute, there's another debate going on about being taken over. So we're not sure whether we're going to have new owners in January that might go, right, there's $200 million to spend. I think we're just really at, like um, in, in a tough place at the minute with where we are going to be at in two years or three years, whether Dash is going to stay um, and whether we're going to get relegated, whether they're going to stay up. I think this season's going to be a really big test, especially for some of the players that are there and, um, the people who are going to sign new contracts, or even for Dash, whether he'll stay at the end of the season, depending on ownership and things like that. So, yeah, it's a de- definite tough one this season. 100%. And look, I mean, whoever you do get in January, even if a lot of Burnley fans or, or people, or football supporters in general, I'll say, think that these players are unfashionable, they think, oh, not him, or he doesn't light up the world and stuff like that. Sean Dash is a, a, an uncanny knack of turning in unfashionable names into gems. So, and and squad players as well that, that, that work hard for each other. So, look, I mean, as you say, in Dice we trust. So I think, I think, I think Burnley fans out there should 
should trust the manager still there. Um, I, I see a lot of moans on social media, Mark, about him. Uh, is it is time to go now? Is it is time to go? Has he done enough? And all this sort of stuff. What do you think on that? I mean, like the boo boys. And I, I know I know Burnley fans can be hard to please sometimes. I remember <laughs> to you, I was at Burnley. Is it? Is it Bournemouth or Watford? I think it. Would, I think it could have been Bournemouth. I think something like that. But Burnley were four 0 up. Right. This is when I think Marvin Bartley was playing. This was in a Championship anyway. And Burnley were four 0 up at the time. And there was a bloke screaming behind me. So, no, was it? Is it in the Championship? Yeah, it might. It might be the year we got promoted. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was Dyche's first season, right? And uh, yeah, because it's season after they had it, right? And he's screaming at Dyche to take a play. Burnley are 4 0 up, right? It's about 15 minutes left, something like that, on the top of my head in my memory. And he's screaming, like, get him off, get him off the park, get him off the park. And I've just think to myself in my head, I said, 4 0. You're 4 0 up, mate. What are you moaning about? So, what are you moaning about? He's moaning about. He's to get this play. I, I forgot. Do you know what? I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's someone like Bartley or someone like that. Or, but and what was the other? Ross Wallace or something like that. So it could have been. Could have been Wallace. It was a midfielder. It was definitely a midfielder. But I get him off, Daesh. Get him off. Fucking get him off the pitch, Daesh. Fucking <laughs> What? How can you please some of these people? I, but, I think. Yeah. I think the hardest thing is definitely that the burn. Uh, the, well, the best thing is, and the worst thing is that Burnley is such an affordable day out as well. I mean. I think I'm 22 now, and I think my season ticket's 35 pound a month. And the season before that, it was seven pound, seven pound something direct debit a month for a season ticket. Because I think it was 90 odd pound for the year. I mean, for a Premier League club to be charging that for season tickets is incredible. But with those prices, you do get day goers like people just going out for the day out, and people that don't truly understand football and people that just set the family out or but then you get these people that come on probably watched about half an hour's football in their life and they're screaming to oh pass it to him or get him off dash and all he's doing and just jump on the bandwagon with different shouts or slogans but I mean for me Burnley fans who can you ask to bring in who's going to stand there and be told that they can't spend any money in January look this is your budget you've got three quid go go manage a team with that and you're not allowed to make any signings really and just and I mean every time we sign probably 32 year old 33 year old players and go there you go Dash you can sign him I mean there was a there was a massive argument between Burnley fans about selling Volks to Stoke and getting crouching but when you look at it from a business point of view I think you've got to understand it I mean Volks at the time was coming on in the 88th minute as a presence in the box if we were drawing or losing and Volks would get probably about five five minutes a game, if that. Now, if someone's going to pay £8 million for a player who you bring on for three minutes for a present in the box, and you can get Crouch on a free for the season, um, well, for like the remainder of games, what it were, for me, it was a no-brainer. I mean, I loved Volks for a player he was, but, I mean, to bring a player like Crouch into the dressing room for his personality, you got to think about training, match days. To have a player with a personality like that, and then for his size, you could bring him on at the same time as Volks for the same thing you're going to do. You're going to hoof balls into the box. You need a tall person to get headers. I mean, to get eight million for the same player, I think that was a no-brainer for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, another thing is, is 
I ha- I don't know about you, Mark, but I haven't heard Sam Vokes's name hardly mentioned once since he's left Burnley. Not and I, and I, and I, and I and I do watch Championship football. I do I do take a keen eye on uh, the football league, and you know, or I did the Premier League until we banned it from our show. You're lucky you're getting to do this. To be fair, yeah, you, we're, we're, ta- we're taking an exception here, Mark. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't heard of him since. So eight million pounds—a good bit of business. You're right. You're you're absolutely spot on. Want to go to uh, any sort of like sort of memories you've got? What's your, what is the best memory you've ever had as a Burnley fan? Is it uh, because because you are quite young still, twenty-two? Yeah. Is it, it was it that 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 season, the the promotion season? For for me, I've got a couple. Um, my my one was when we finally beat Blackburn away um, in the league. We beat one 0 Scotty Arfield scored, um, but to, it was my first ever time at Ewood as well. Um, so first ever game away at Blackburn. And for the people that don't know, that is probably one of the biggest rivalries in football. I know every club says that about their own club, but as you know yourself, you'll probably understand the how massive it actually is. Um, and we'd not beat them in. A ridiculous amount of years. I think it might have been thirty-five. Yeah, some something absolutely crazy. Um, and we beat them one nil away. And obviously the full coach journey there, the full coach journey home, the pubs afterwards. Uh, it, honestly, one of the best days of my life. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, for our listeners, I had this debate with uh, with this lad here in Scotland on Twitter about about five or six weeks ago. Blocked him now because he's an ass. Um, <laughs> Oh, he is. Anything to have a pop at English football teams, he does it. He's absolutely obsessed. Right, so, oh, look at all the, look at all the, look at this, the biggest rival in the world about Celtic and Rangers, which it probably is one of the big. But and he's gone. Oh, but look at the teams down south with their, you know, hand in hand, half and half scarves at their at their derbies. I'm like, have you seen Burnley Blackburn? Have you seen Bristol City v Bristol Rovers? Have you seen Grimsby v Lincoln? Yeah, you want to be because he's never been down there. He's never experienced it. No, I said to him, go go to Burnley Blackburn, and you tell me that's not that's not a bigger rivalry than Hearts and Hibs. So he's trying to say Hearts and Hibs was was still bigger than every English rivalry going. I don't think. I said, mate, I don't think people understand absolute nonsense. What what we have to go through for the protocols for that game? I mean, when it's Burnley Blackburn, you if you're a Burnley fan in Blackburn, you and if you lived there, you would have to make your own way to Burnley to get a coach from Turf Moor to go to Ewood. You're not allowed to make your own travel there. You get a police escort on the way to Ewood, all the coaches. You get your coaches bricked on the way through. As you get in, you get searched with metals to de- detectors and you get like obviously searched on the spot. It, honestly, it's crazy. Yeah. And obviously I, work, I worked there for a couple of years in, in Lancashire and Burnley and uh, I know I know all about the rivalry. Um it could be a non-match day in the pub. It could be a Monday evening, Tuesday evening, and people are still talking about Blackburn. It's not. It's not an obsession, I'd say, but the the hatred is that deep that people talk about Blackburn all the time, and vice versa. Blackburn fans are always always talking about Burnley. You see it on social media all the time. Both sets trying to trying to wind each other up. It is, and it is probably pff, one of the biggest in England, one of the biggest in the UK, without a shadow of a doubt without a shadow of that, I've seen the intensity, I've seen the rivalry, I've seen the hate. I, I know what it's all about. I know what it's all about. Um, a, guy, a guy came into our work, <laughs> to our work once with a Blackburn shirt on and he got absolute dog's <laughs> abuse. Absolute dog. And this was genuine abuse. This wasn't banter. This was not banter. This was like, 
bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, it, it, I can imagine the same. I can imagine the same. If you walked into a pub in Blackburn on a Tuesday, you could be even in the summer when the football season isn't even on. And you walk into a pub in Blackburn with a Burnley shirt on, you are going to get it. That's a hundred percent. I could, I could, right in Edinburgh, right? You could, you could walk around Hibs areas. You can walk around Leaf, yeah, with a heart shirt on. You ain't going to get hassle. You can walk around Gorgie with a Hibs shirt on. You ain't going to get hassle, yeah, unless it's match day, right? But any time of year, you go, <laughs> you go to Blackburn with a Burnley shirt on or vice versa. You are getting it, and there's no, and that's how bad yeah. it is, honestly. And people don't realize if, that. If you go into, especially in the wrong parts of each town as well, because I mean, obviously, you do have your nice areas of the towns. I know it's hard to say there's a nice area in Burnley, but there is a there is a few. <laughs> um, but if, if certainly if you go into the wrong area, there's definitely a chance you you will get seen too, <laughs> to put it lightly, probably. Yeah, um, the, the, I mean, I wouldn't even dream of being a Blackburn fan and walking into the Royal Dyche as it's now called. It used to be called, it used to be called the Princess Royal, but it's called the Royal Dyche now. It's fucking brilliant. I've got to tell our listeners about that in a minute. And um, yeah, imagine you walked in there and, and someone got chatting to someone at the bar. Who do you support, mate? Oh, I'm a Blackburn fan. Jesus Christ. You're in there, wouldn't nah. you? Is it, no, not at all. That's, that's that, And that's at any time of the year, night or day, you know. <laughs> You know, they could be three leagues apart and not play each other in decades, and it doesn't matter. It's just uh, one of them. Yeah, what was that? What was that whole thing with the pub then? Because it, it was a Princess Royal, and then they changed it to the Royal yeah, Dice, so, didn't they? Um, uh, one season, they kind of said it as a joke, and they said, Dice, if you get us into Europa League, uh, we'll name the pub after you. Um, and obviously, it did it. So they uh, renamed the full pub and branded it the Royal Dice. Um, so <laughs> he's got his own pub now, I suppose. Well, that if if Dice goes, are they going to change it, or is that is that stayed now? Is it, that is that has, has is that me. nailed up? I mean, especially in my lifetime, and a couple of people I've spoken to from the older generation. I mean, what what other manager? I mean, you talk about Stan Turner back in the day, but in the past thirty years, I can't see anyone touching him. Or do you? Know, I think what he's done for our club with upgrading training facilities. I mean, the brand new state of the art facility. I mean, it's it's a category one academy it's it's amazing it, it do you know what i mean it's going to attract players it's going to attract people to go there i mean we've got a brand new team in the premier league we've stayed up there we're i mean we've stayed in the premier league for multiple years now and if that just says anything i mean no other managers managed to do that in how many years so for me he's one of the best managers we've ever had easily yeah 100 percent. he's a, he's he's left a little if he does leave, I'm trying to, not trying to attempt fate, <laughs> but if he does leave, uh, he's, he's, he's certainly left a legacy and he's, uh, he'd have sort of Brian Clough status in Massive the town for decades, decades. Um, we're going to move, look, we're going to move across Lancashire now, Mark, um, not to Blackburn. <laughs> we're going to bypass Blackburn, mate. All right. We're going to go, f- go further down the M65 or whatever it is. I think I'm, I think I'm right there. M65 from memory. Um, we're gonna we're ending up in the, we're ending up in Bolton. Um, you are an academy coach at Bolton Wanderers, am, aren't you, mate? Yeah. You want to tell our listeners just a little bit about your yeah, role no there problem. and um, what you do? So it was a bit of a strange one, obviously, being a Burnley fan and working at Bolton. I mean, that's not the best rivalry in itself. Um, but I knew a couple of people over at Bolton, 
Um, and I ended up doing a little bit of work for their community stuff. Um, and then obviously got a little bit better within myself and with my coaching roles and just started offering loads of my time out, really. Um, and being able to drive um, from pretty much being 17, I've been able to get about, get into different clubs. And I've been, I mean, I've been over at Everton, done some work there. I've been to Bolton, Burnley, bit, been all over the place, really, which is good. Um but then, yeah, I started working with the pre-academy with the sevens and under eights. And then I've been doing that for about two and a half years now, working with the pre-academy, sending them through, um, which is good because you see each team coming through then. And now, I mean, I'm looking at players who uh, who have signed and they're in their under nines and they're working their way up. I mean, it's just good to see them get to where they are just from being in the under sevens. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a really rewarding job, if anything. Mate, honestly, fair play to you. 22 years old, getting a job like that and the CV that you're going to build up from now, especially working with Everton, as you just said. So what are the, what are the challenges that comes with that, with that role? Um, obviously, you're not, going to get, you're not going to get back chat off, off kids that age, but uh, do, do you find it challenging um, working with kids at that age? Because they're still like... And they're and in their introduction to the game, really. Obviously, they wouldn't. They've got a bit about them. Otherwise, they wouldn't be at Bolton's academy. But is it? What are the difference? I don't know if you've if you've coached any any adult football at all or anything like that. I'm trying to I'm trying to like compare like sort of what you do at training and what you do at coaching and how how you, how you deal with it, like with the kids and stuff yeah, like that. Um, so I think the hardest thing for me personally um, is letting kids go at that age I think that's the hardest thing I find um, because you get I see so many kids come through and obviously I'm still that's not the only thing I do I run the under 13s and 12s development at Bolton as well Um, so they're obviously a little bit older Um, I do them on a Wednesday and Thursday night um, so I manage them Um, but especially with the under 8s because obviously we have a pre-academy where kids come through they have like kind of trials and you, you can see that they've got talent and you can see they've got something, but you just know sometimes that they, they're not just quite good enough yet. And I think that's the hardest thing because obviously we're, we're all as kids, we all wanted to be professional football players. And when you get to that age at seven, you, it's so it's so hard to just say no to someone and say, look, you're not quite good enough yet. But obviously you've got your own job and you've got your own um, record on the line, not record on the line, but I mean, if someone looks at you and says, who's brought this child in and said yes to him? And if my name's attached to that, you, you've got your own, obviously, reputation with bringing players in. Um, but like I said, I mean, you, you do know the difference between an academy grade ability and somebody who isn't. I mean, the training-wise at seven and eight, you're just looking at getting them on the ball as much as you can. Um, just loads and loads of repetition, just being able to beat somebody 1v1. Uh, being able to pass, but everything's just all about playing out from the back now, especially at under seven and under eights, which you'd, you'd think is a little bit mad. But you want them all to be able to be comfortable on a ball and be able to take people on. Um, so it's all just repetition, 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 and just trying to get the little things in, little techniques along the way. Um, but you're just really trying to get that basic understanding of the game but being able to be confident and everything's about taking, like I said, dominating 1v1s is a massive one. So obviously just being able to take people on, but then making 
the right decision afterwards, which is the which is the key thing that you're looking, especially at these kids coming through now. Definitely. Um totally agree with that. I think that's the philosophy that that's been built by people like Gareth Southgate and the people at St George's uh, Park to to play that way. I think a, a new emergence of, of, of English football and, and style is, is is coming through, and it, it's like rugby. Um, I'll just 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 as a comparison, I mentioned rugby. I when I when I was living in another place in the UK when I was working there as well, I've lived all yeah, over. Yeah, I, yeah. My, the, the chef game takes you all over, mate. Some people have been all over the world. I wasn't that lucky. I've just been all over the UK. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's this uh, a local rugby club, and they were teaching kids at like four, like running, passing, fast rugby, like ridiculously, like you know, quick hands and stuff like that. So it's it's the same that's that's transferred into football now. It's all as you said, passing out from the back sort of ticky-tacker style, you know, possession-based and, and, and stuff like that. Um, do, you, do you have to deal with really pushy parents as well? Because that, that must be one thing that must be hard about the job because I've seen, you know, my mate, well, my mate tell me, so it's like, you know, you hear some parents on the sidelines when my boy plays. He's like, some of them are ridiculous. You think, they think they've got the next Ronaldo or Messi. Project, project and you Mbappe. Just, you, you don't, know what, don't know what to tell them. Project huh? Mbappe, as they call it. Yeah. <laughs> Are they that bad, some um, of them? I think the best thing is about academy football is that you don't, a lot of the times you don't have to deal with parents now, especially with all the COVID thing. Um, parents aren't allowed actually into the onto the pitches or near the training ground now. And they all, all just have to stay in the cars, which has been an absolute blessing because you don't have, the, the kids are playing a lot more freely. They're not looking over at parents and you're not getting double advice. Like you're asking them to do one thing and, parents are telling them oh go forward go and get the ball um so you don't have to deal with that as much but especially in i think you, the problems with grassroots because obviously the the a lot of grassroots coaches don't have the well probably not the experience to tell parents what to do and probably don't have the control because the parents pay a lot of the time to, for the kids to be there or they're paying for subs and wages and paying the referees and Obviously, I think I think parents have a little bit more control over football clubs, but when it comes to academies, they can just be asked to leave if they ever get too much. They'll just say, "Look, can you go and sit in your car? You you don't have to be here," kind of thing. So that's the beauty of academy football, in a sense. Yeah, um, well, I'm glad you don't have to deal with that side of things because well, I can't imagine when my kids are playing sport. I tell you, I can't imagine when when my Ola grows up if she ever plays. Any sport, whether it be football, basketball, whatever, I, I, I'm worried that I'm going to be one of them parents. I think I might, I might just be that guy. Yeah, I... <laughs> Why isn't she playing? Why is she on the bench? Why is she on the bench? Yeah, she's got got 14 assists this season. Why is she on the bench? Yeah, oh uh, yeah, I can imagine it. I can just, I can just see it yeah. now. I, I, I mean, I'll delve in. I mean. You... everyone's competitive and I understand that parents obviously they want their absolute best for the child and they want them to be playing every game but I think a lot of parents do just know know that it should they should be able to enjoy it and just have fun and I speak to so many parents that are so laid back as well with and it's like yeah if he's enjoying it he's enjoying it and they'll just say how's it getting on and you'll go yeah yeah he's doing well then that'll be it and I I think a lot of the times you see those kids doing a lot better because there's no pressure on them and they can just have fun 
they can just enjoy the football and that's the main thing because it, the hardest thing at seven, eight-year-old is if they're a good player, they can be at four or five different football clubs a week. They can, especially if they're in like the Lancashire catchment, they can be playing at Bolton, Blackburn, Liverpool, United, uh, Preston, Blackpool. Like, There's so many different clubs and if if they they can play it there at eight years old until they're actually signed to the pre-academy. So that Monday night they can be at one club, Tuesday a different club, Wednesday a different club. And these parents are driving all over the place midweek just to go to all these different football clubs until they're signed. And I think eight years old is probably the hardest age in football at the moment. Do you know, you just mentioned, including Blackburn, Every pretty much every other team in Lancashire bar Burnley. <laughs> yeah, it's because I, I don't want them to go to Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought, is he going to mention Burnley? Bloody, he didn't mention the rival. Um, look, it's a great thing what you're doing, mate. Fair play, especially at your age. I, I think it's, I think it's great. Um, you getting off the mark, <laughs> no pun intended. Um, so to speak, that quickly in life in, in, in your coach. What's your aspirations, though, Mark? What is, where do you want to go in the game? Is this, is is the game your future? Um, is is coaching your future? I, I think it, it it's really hard at the moment. Um, I, I'd love I'd love football to be my life. I mean, I I think I was always um, like realistic growing up because I thought I'm never going to be a footballer. I'm all right at it, but I'm I'm not good enough to go pro or semi pro or think, anything like that. So it was like. How can I stay in the game and be so close to it where I'm in a tracksuit every day and when I've got a football at my feet every day and obviously coaching it. And obviously I'm, I'm all right at it. I, I might say I'm not going to blow me on trumpet. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love it. And if I could just even, I mean, a full-time academy role is is an absolute dream. But the, the amount of jobs that people are going for in football, there's so many other good coaches out there. And like you said, it's just trying to get your CV up as much as you can and be that person that everybody knows and you've got a good reputation. Um, so I think you, you can only just keep plodding on and keep putting the hours in um, and just keep getting your name out there. I think that's the main thing. And and I'm loving my own podcast at the minute. I mean, that, that's been a nice change of scenery as well. Um, being able to do that every other week, a couple of mates, a couple of beers. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, just, just having loads of stuff going on in my life. I think that's what I want. Um, having my football, yeah, and just having time for friends, family—that that—that's the aim. Definitely, um, you've got to keep busy, mate. I mean, where I had to start the podcast back in August because my my trade, the chef trade, I've gone from being here, there, and everywhere. You know, you know, travelling around Edinburgh, Scotland, and before that, the years before I met my missus, I was living all over the UK and doing twelve hours a day, five six days a week moving to all these different places, living in these different places. And, and I've got, and then moved here, met the missus, obviously family and that. And then, but still doing the chef in around Edinburgh and, and some other parts of Scotland as well. And then bang, crash, nothing. Absolutely. My, like, cause I worked for myself, yeah. see, so nothing for months. And then I, you go out of your mind because you, you're, you're sat around. It's, it's all well and good. And men will agree with me with this. You can do the dad stuff and all that. Yeah, of course you can. But men need to be out there. They need to be out there grafting. They need to be out there doing stuff and keeping busy, keeping their mind busy. Because, you know, there's only, you know, I went for a run a few times, did a few five five k's, and but it just weren't it weren't that sort of. It's weird. I know how footballers and and boxers and that when when they finish their careers have nothing to do because, 
and they get depressed and that because of the chef world where you've got that adrenaline 12 hours a day and you're on your feet and you're bouncing about for 12 hours a day and it goes from that to nothing. It's hard, man. It's fucking yeah. hard. So, yes, yeah, podcasts are sort of, as well as me, sort of giving me something to do, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's all good. But um, now that's what I was going to move on to next, mate. Um, you've got your own podcast with a couple of other lads as well. I've given it a listen. It's called uh, Who's Round Is It? Mark, yeah. here's your chance to plug it to our listeners, mate. What's it, what's it all about? Thanks, mate. Tell them to find you and all sorts of what, and your, all your social media channels and the, the whole shebang, mate. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, what you were just talking about then, just, just obviously getting yourself out there and talking again. I mean, I think that was one of the hardest things we found over lockdown, just not being able to have a beer with your mate. And obviously, we've spent a lot of hours cooped up at home, things like that. And it wasn't me that actually thought of the idea. It was um, the other two lads that I do it with, Jason and Jay. Um, they got talking in the pub where where it was uh, born, if you will, the idea. And they said, why don't we just do a podcast about what we're doing now? Why everyone sits at a pub, everyone drinks, everyone gets the rounds in. Um, and what what could we call it? So obviously it was invented then. Whose round is it? Um, and the premise is basically every single week, one of us brings the round for everyone. So if it was my round, this is my round this week coming up, actually. So I'll bring the beers. I'll bring the topic of conversation and, and we just have a really good chat. And I mean, it's all light. It's it's a comedy podcast. So we're all just absolutely laughing all the time, taking the piss out of each other. Um, and that's just what it's all about. Just really having a good laugh, all enjoying our company, nothing too serious um, and just talking rubbish, really. So um, we're all over Twitter, um, Instagram. Um, so main ones, Twitter we use and it's at Who's Round Is It Pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, anchor all over everything um so yeah please do give it a listen and uh, you won't regret it you definitely won't regret it guys please 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 give mark jason and jay a listen who's round is it podcast at who's round pod on twitter as well you won't regret it at all it's become very very popular very quickly hasn't it yeah mate? We, it's, we've had a good start to be fair but uh obviously we're just trying to keep going now over christmas and just keep keep rattling them out and obviously it's nice for us because at the weekend we just get to sit around drinking and call it uh call it work <laughs> <laughs> i do i gotta admit some pe- people think i'm squeaky clean i do i do have a beer sometimes when uh when i record with guests and uh i've actually got a bottle of san miguel with me right now i know it's a tuesday night but um yeah so that's my choice of beer tonight for so <laughs> San Miguel. It's normally a pint can of Stella. Well, but, I, I did, I did um, the same as you, mate. I've got a pint of Kel- Stella with me here, pal. <laughs> yeah, get in there. <laughs> Love it. Great minds think alike. Mark, mate, honestly, I've I've loved having you on the show. Um, it's been great chatting, especially about Burnley. It brings back some memories as, for me as well. I know I was only there for a very short time in my life, but it does bring back, you know, it, is, it was a part of my life living there and it brings back memories for me. Um, so it was good for you, good to you talking about Burnley. And it was very interesting to see what you're doing with Bolton because I thought, I did think to myself, God, he's a bit young to be a bit, a bit of a coach, especially at Academy, but fair play to you, mate. You know, you've, you've obviously got it. So you deserve to be there, mate. And I, and I really hope you, you go far in the coaching game. I really do. I hope you get up there and maybe see you, maybe a manager of a, a semi-pro team, non-league side soon and work your way up. That'd be great to see. But, um, and also... 
well done on 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 your podcast as well. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. No, I'm I'm buzzing to see you doing well as well, pal. I mean, we we met back in a little old town, Burnley, too many years ago. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm buzzing you doing well, mate. And uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. I've loved it, mate. Yeah, not a problem, guys. Uh, we are back at some point next week. We've got Calvin Shan coming on. We've also got Dial Square FC coming on. Arsenal fans, okay, forget Arsenal. They've broken away and formed Dial Square FC. They've had enough of the greed of the Premier League. They've formed their own club. They've gone back to their roots and they've gone back to the original name, what Arsenal was called when they first formed Dial Square FC. They'll be on next week. Okay, we've also got Robin from Belgium, Belgian fan-owned club, KSK Beveren, coming on. Famous old football club. They broke away from the, the new franchise, Wazdan Beveren. They, they, they kept the old team going, the KSK Beveren, and uh, the soul alive, so to speak. They've got a great story to tell. Robin's coming on as well. Calvin Shan coming on, ex-Peter head player, um, former Muscle Athletic and Trinent Juniors manager as well. He'll be on the show. Then it'll be our Christmas special. So any guests, including you, Mark, okay, on the 21st of December, you never know, you might just get an invite into the recording at some point of the recording. <laughs> Look, it's going to be, it's just going to be full of beer and full of me and Bob moaning at each other and putting the world to rights football-wise over the last year. So it's, it's going to be a must-listen. So yeah, Mark, uh, keep your notifications on that night, mate. You, you, you might, you just might get a little notification at the top of your screen saying, You've been invited into a recording. I'll be ready. Just to say hello. <laughs> we're, we're just going to go mad, I think, and just be like, right, let's, let's bang, 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 bang. Let's invite us. Sue turns up sort of thing. Um, yeah, so that's going to be our big one for the end of the year. And that will finish the year off for us. We are on Anchor, Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please give us a listen. We are at Cathedral underscore Sport on Twitter as well. Please give us a follow. Retweet our stuff. Give us a like whatever you know how it goes you know the script again mark mate thank you so much for coming on you have an absolutely cracking week bud you too mate thanks for having me on pal not a problem at all cheers